Hello and welcome back to the Shore Sports Network podcast, episode two, here in late August. And guess what? It's football season. Shore Conference football is coming up in just a couple days. Hard to believe. We were just talking about this a few minutes ago. Uh, and it is always hard to believe the season's come up quick. But August 25th is opening day for Shore Conference football. Uh, and we got a lot of teams playing. So we're excited to talk about that uh, and be back with another episode of the Shore Sports Network podcast. It's uh you know, it's exciting to be doing this. Uh, you know, we wanted to do a podcast for a while. So, uh, you know, here we are and excited to get things going. Want to thank our sponsors, uh, Varsity Link, Jersey Mike Subs, always a great supporter of Shore Conference Athletics, Thrive, and the Iron House Performance Center. Uh, Bob Batters here today, joined by Scott Stump, John Corelli, and Scott Martin of the Shore Sports Network. So, guys, thanks for uh, for joining me today and excited to talk about some football stuff. Be good to be back, getting the band back together. Yeah, so, I know. This has been a long time in the works. I can't believe that um, we finally got a chance to do this. I feel like the last time was in about 2007, like in some, like, you know, car dealership uh, side room. So, yeah, it's good to be <laughs> back and upgraded and, uh, yeah, excited and yeah, one thing that's definitely changed, man. Week zero is a whole different animal now. It started off with just a handful of games. Now it's become a pretty big deal, like the real start of the season now. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. And uh, just to to go back, Scott and I, Stumpy and I, we'll we'll be on every week talking short conference football. So uh, just get ready to hear us kind of recapping the previous week, talking about what's to come, and just touching on short conference football storylines all week. John Corelli with us as well. You're seeing a lot of John kind of our utility guy bouncing around football, volleyball, doing a little bit of everything. And then Scott Martin, uh, our new CEO, joining us today to talk some football. Stump, as you mentioned, week zero, you don't even really need to call it week zero anymore because it's week one with the amount of teams that open their season. Week zero is not anything new. It's been around for a handful of years, but we've had a couple. First, it was one or two teams, three, four, five, six. We have 27 short conference teams playing on Friday or playing this weekend uh 20 games in total 17 on Friday two more on Saturday and then one more on Sunday uh down at the Battle of Beach in Ocean City we'll touch on as many games as we can there a lot of really standout ones the one that I want to start with uh is a matchup of what's going to be two top five teams in the shore you don't know where those rankings are you'll see those uh, in a couple of days in our uh preseason uh shore 16 but uh a huge game, and that's Rumson Fairhaven uh, traveling to the swamp to take on Middletown South. These are two of the Shore Conference flagship programs, Middletown South, an illustrious history. And Rumson, even though it's relatively recent, you know, one of the best programs in the Shore during that time span. They've had some great games uh, over the past handful of years, usually coming down to the wire. They kind of play similar styles. And I think starting off with a game like this, you know, be pretty good for, for both teams, kind of get a gauge of where they are early on. You know, Stump, these are programs you know really well, especially Middletown South, you know, from their heyday. I think this is going to be a slugfest, just one of those games that it might be ugly, but it's going to be close and competitive, and it's probably going to come down to the wire. One thing I noticed about this week zero schedule, you know, teams are not easing into the season. There are some huge games right out of the gate. I mean, this is a crucial game for the American division race right off the bat. It's probably eliminating someone from winning the championship in that division, which is crazy this early. And then, you know, state playoff seedings, power rankings, short conference rankings, 
Um, and the thing I love about this game is you got a ton of big names in it. You look at the all short guys coming back from last year. Colin Gallagher is the reigning defensive player of the year for Short Sports Network. Um, he's going to be lining up at edge. He'll be lining up at linebacker. He'll be lining up at running back. I mean, he's a star for them. Jake's Wakeel back as their quarterback. And in the secondary, kicking, punting, selling the concessions, driving the bus to the away games. So, and, and then you have on the other side, Owen O'Toole. I was at that game last year where they came back against Raritan and stunned them out of a deep hole in the uh, South Jersey Group 2 final. And O'Toole was unbelievable, especially as a sophomore, to be that poised. He's back after leading the shore in passing yards. Alistair Orr's back after their leading, being their leading rusher. Nick Rigby, one of the top uh, receivers in the shore. And, and the battle the battle in this game, like Bob said, is a lot of times is up front. And Rumps is going to have two 300-pound guys up front. Middletown South always has some of the best linemen in the shore. So I think it, it's just a great game. And it also shows the respect for Rumson's program, that they're a group two school in this division of heavyweights of much bigger schools and powerhouse non-public schools. And, you know, they're right in the middle of it. There. And, you know, the fact that Rumson is right there with them. And last year they had a good battle. Uh, Rumson, I think this is a big thing for Rumson because they finished fourth in the American division last year. Even though they, that's how good that division is, that team made it all the way to the group two finals and they were in fourth place in this division. So I think like beyond just another state playoff run for Rumson, it's about making some noise in this division and showing as a group two school that they can keep up with the bigger programs. Uh, yeah, real quick too. I, I was down at the the scrimmage. It was central and Rumson got to talk to Owen O'Toole a little bit. And you can just see the confidence in Owen O'Toole coming into the season. I know, you know, he had a great year last year but he looks poised and ready for this season. I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do at the quarterback position and really competing for one of those, one of those top spots and uh, really putting a name for himself out there. It's going to be exciting to watch him. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree as well. I mean, I think one of the key matchups to look at with Middletown South's defense is going to be how they contain O'Toole and also with O'Toole's arm. I mean, he threw over 2,100 passing yards last year. Um, he's got, like you said, the leading receiver, Nick Rigby, right by his side. So I think that's going to be a really key element in this matchup coming up. But I also i am really curious to see how the defense of Rumson contains Tiswakiel, um with his wheels. Um, you know, they're very they, – they can run the ball right down your throat. And they also have that same type of defense as Rumson does as well, where they're going to be fighting – on the field for all four quarters. And, you know, they both have same styles of a play and they're two of the more, you know, dynamic public powerhouses in the state. I think it's just a perfect week zero matchup for the short conference throughout. Uh, two things I'm looking for in that game. The first is last season, Rumson uncharacteristically could not run the ball, not nearly up to their own standards. I believe it was it's the first time in over a decade they didn't have a thousand yard running back and stump, you know, they would just churn out thousand yard backs like at will. And not just that, multiple two thousand yard backs within that, you know, Peter Lucas, uh Charlie Volker, like so many guys, these behemoth offensive lines that you just couldn't stop. They couldn't do that last year. You know that's not gonna stay the same. They have one of the best offensive line coaches in all of New Jersey and Joe Murphy. You know that's gonna turn around. So if they get that back to its usual you know, area of success with the passing game they have, you know, that's, you can't call Rumson a sleeper. They were in the group two final last year, but that could really tie everything together. Plus a defense that's usually really good. That's something I want to see early. And also 
Rumson has a sophomore named Jack Harris. He he looks the part as like six foot three, around 300 pounds, moves like a player, you're much smaller. Him on the defensive line against some of those Middletown South offensive linemen, that's a matchup to watch. Because I remember Colin Gallagher's sophomore year. He had like four sacks in his high school debut. And I was like, whoa, this kid's going to be pretty good. And clearly he has been. I want to see if I could see the same thing out of Harris. Not necessarily four sacks, but that kind of impact right away from a highly tatted sophomore. And, you know, yeah. usually you see our guys going the other way. Middletown South in particular lost Luke Wafel, who was a mm-hmm. budding all-shore linebacker for them, transferred to Hun. But, you know, Rumson got one coming back the other way. Yeah. And Luke Wafel's brother, Owen, has been at the Hun Community University in Michigan. So, yeah, there's a lot of – you hate to have to touch on the transfers in the offseason, but that's become uh, become the norm. That's the marquee Shore Conference versus Shore Conference game for this week, but there's a ton of really marquee non-conference games, uh, and probably the biggest one, at least of the public schools in the state for sure, will be on Friday down at Ocean City High School's Cary Field, a great atmosphere for the Battle of the Beach Showcase. I mean, how often can you play a football game where the Ferris wheel is in the background and you can reach the boardwalk if you have a good enough arm? So that's where Tom's River North will be uh, for, I believe, the third year in a row uh, down uh, in Ocean City. And they're going to be taking on Millville. Tom's River North, undefeated Group 5 state champion last year. Millville, Group 4 state champion last year. FBS recruits all over the field. Two absolute powerhouses. And again, for a week zero game, I mean, that is really one you can see, sink your teeth into. Yeah, I mean, you're talking that the, the number one team in the public school ranks for the whole season Obviously, there's way long to go. Could get decided in week zero. The reigning group five champs against the reigning group. I'm just happy. I'm excited that those coaches took that game. You know what I mean? A lot of coaches would have been like, I'm not starting the season by playing another group champion. That's a lot right out of the gate in week zero. But that just really helps promote football in New Jersey. So I love that, you know, Coach Oserowitz and, you know, Millville decided to play this game. And you're right. I mean, Scott Martin just talked to a couple of, you know, Michael Ford and some of those guys that are going to be in this game. Like, it, it is the marquee game of all of New Jersey, I think, right up there maybe with Bergen Catholic and RBC. But you're talking, you know, Michael Ford, you know, Council, Pruitt, Jalen Matthews, all FBS guys for Tom's River North. Lotsier Brooks, the wide receiver for Millville, is one of the best receivers in New Jersey. Um I just remember last year, North kind of like came out slow out of the gate against Washington Township, and that was a dogfight to the end. You're not going to be able to do that this year. I mean, and this is kind of characteristic of North's schedule dramatically ramping up, right? You know, last year they started with Washington Township and Rumson, and then they kind of like steamrolled their division, and then it was the state playoffs. This year, this prepares them for every single week in that American division is going to be a battle. But, yeah, I mean, you might want to leave right now to get on the parkway going south on a friday in the summer to get there for a four o'clock kickoff but it will be worth the long drive that's for sure i've been there the last two years and i did have to get creative with finding parking spots i will tell you that shout out to the tabernacle over there letting me park in the back and not getting towed away but on that point of it being so early for a huge game i remember being down there last year and talking to tom's room head coach dave Oserwitz, and you start the season so early like kind of something has to give. And he's like, we did not practice special teams like at all. We have not practiced special teams yet, like going into this game. So it's like kickoff, like you just hope everything's okay. And it, you know, he, it was a joke, but he was serious. Like it just, you, the, it's August 25th. You don't have a ton of time to repair. 
but this year you don't get the easier way in. So, I mean, that's an awesome matchup uh, that I think the fans that are at that game are really going to pack the stands for. I think too, with, uh, with, with Tom's River North, uh, you know, with Micah coming back and, and there's just, there's something different about Micah. Like he, like the humbleness to what he, like the, who he represents and what he does with his team. I think that they're going to be ready for it. I don't think that they're taking anybody lightly, but at the same time, they, uh, he, he's coming in with like that, that professional mindset and that professional attitude towards the game. He respects the opponent and by being, by being respectful of the opponent is what allows him to prepare is like every day every snap every every practice is important for them and i think that that program is going to be ready with uh with him coming into his senior year yeah touching on you know with micah i mean like you're saying with that humbleness and that there's something about him that you know it really can just take a whole program to a whole new level and i mean they did it last year and they're looking to do the, they're looking to duplicate it this year and you know the biggest thing with ford that he told that he told us was you know about millville saying know how well-rounded of a team they are and he knows that this is going to be a tough matchup for not just himself but the entire team and you know he passed for 1200 yards and 17 touchdowns he ran for over 2300 yards and 33 touchdowns on the ground I mean he's a ridiculous athlete he's also a ridiculous kid um behind the books as well with 4-4 GPA whole team with him as the leader I mean it's tough to duplicate an undefeated season but if there's any team not just in the shore but in the state that's going to do it it's going to be Tom's River North they are my big thing too is I think like last year they entered the season as an up and coming team, but now the target's on their back. I mean, Michael Ford is the reigning Gatorade New Jersey player of the year. North went 14 and out last year. So like last year, you know, RBC started the year kind of as number one and then North like overtook them and things like that. But now there's a lot more pressure, I think on North this year, just given the incredible season that they had last year. And I wondered too, their, the mindset of, you're going to go out every week and try to go one and no. We've heard that cliche, but it, you know, it, it's the, it's a proper mindset. The odds of them going 14 and 0 again are, are extremely slim. I, I think even they would understand that, you know, if they were being completely honest, but it, they, they did that. They went 14 and 0. They made history. I think for them, it's just about winning, like go win a state title, whether that means you have one, two, three, whatever many losses, like Rumson proved that last year, They're like four and four, and then they're in the group two final. Like you're, you're not going to really care what your record is if you win another state title. So I think that's probably, you know, I, I could see that being their rallying cry. Like, hey, let's just go out there and it's a brutal schedule, but let's get to where we want to be in the end. So that is a, a massive non-conference game. Another one on Friday night at Camp Basie Field when Red Bank Catholic welcomes in Bergen Catholic. I mean, Bergen Catholic, what more do you have to say? The last time I saw them, they were hanging a 45-0 victory on our tribal Don Bosco Prep in the non-public A final, which was shocking, dominant, everything, whatever superlative or uh, you know hyperbolic word you want to throw in there. Uh, it was pretty accurate, uh, and they have a boatload of talent coming back, and RBC is going to you know test itself in a big way, in the biggest way, really, you know, on Friday night. Uh, RBC returns you know, a bunch of, a bunch of dudes, as you can say, Davin Bruton, you know, their star senior linebacker who's committed to Pitt, Emmanuel Ross, their star wide receiver is committed to Stanford, Frankie Williams, their, their up and coming junior quarterback, you know, a bunch of top linemen, Lorenzo Porteller, Tyler Berman, uh, Tyler Burnham, excuse me, uh, you know, Logan Graham on the defensive line. So it's not like RBC doesn't have top players, but 
this is going to be a massive challenge for them. Uh, something they've you know been familiar with in the past when you know stumped when they had those the best teams in the shore, but were playing those non-public A teams. So a big one on Friday night, really for RBC, just to kind of I guess see where they stand. You know, a win would be incredible, but that's more a see where you stand against the best team in the state. They talk talk statement game. That's what that is. I mean, if, you know, obviously we, we want them to win that one, you know, if they if they drop to 0-1, it's not the end of the road for RBC. They're going to come back strong. But if they can come out on top, be 1-0 against Bergen Catholic, that's going to that's gonna send shockwaves through the entire state. Uh, and that's going to be... And beyond, probably. And beyond, yeah. Yeah, that the entire wild, country. Yeah, that's a wild game. I'm excited to see what happens there. I, mean, I just think that it shows RBC's aspirations, right? You know, that's the level we want to get to. We're not scared to challenge ourselves by playing Bergen Catholic. And I think their feeling is they got this nice rivalry with DePaul going in the state finals and to get themselves prepared to maybe see them again and have to, you know, try to beat them this time after losing last year, Bergen Catholic, they scrimmaged Don Bosco and now they're playing Bergen Catholic. So to me, that shows the level they're trying to reach. I love about this game is the individual matchup, you know, like that you got, like you mentioned, Emmanuel Ross, one of the best wide receivers in the state, committed to Stanford. Meanwhile, Bergen Catholic has Kaj Sanders committed to Rutgers and, uh, you know, Naeem Parrish, who's actually from Freehold, who's another FBS prospect. They could be going head to head on some routes. The biggest one is, you know, Nair Daniels, six foot eight, 350 pound offensive lineman for Bergen Cap, committed to the reigning national champs at Jordan or Lorenzo Portella. That's a tremendous individual matchup. I think that's another reason a lot of these kids love these games. They're huge for recruiting. I mean, you want to get film against the best guy and burnish your reputation. These are absolutely the type of games that can do that for you. Um, and I think the real question, you know, from RBC last year in the games where they did lose, where they showed their offense struggled, you know, they were 17 points to the final and they were shut out by Seton Hall points for the season. So they were ended most of the time. But I think this is a big test of like, can you score against a team the caliber Bergen Catholic? And that's going to be, it will be a big test even more so because they're, they're still trying to figure out what they're, what they have at running back. I mean, that line is, is awesome. You have four returning starters led by Portel and Burnham, but you know, you move on via graduation from one of the program's all-time greats in Sabina Portella. Torin Harmon was an incredibly impactful running back, power and speed. You know, Luke Wasif and Jamie Gutridge, you know, they showed some promise last year in limited, you know, uh limited snaps. Now it's going to be on those guys to go out there and get it done against a great schedule. And the biggest thing with RBC, you know, like Scott was talking about a few minutes ago, is that you know, while this may be, you know, if RBC can pull this off somehow, and that's, you know, that would be a huge statement when this game essentially is going to prepare RBC for their entire season and their states coming up. I mean, Bergen Catholic, they play Iona Prep from New York. They play Chaminade from Florida, Seton Hall Prep, Don Bosco Prep, DePaul, St. Joseph from Montville, St. Peter's Prep, and Paramus Catholic. If that's not a team that you want for your Week Zero matchup with the type of schedule you'll face in states, I mean, I I don't know what else to you know say. I mean, RBC, they want that game as their week zero matchup. They want to get prepared and see what they ultimately have for a team like Bergen Catholic. Because at the end of the day, you don't you don't know who's gonna win until they both take the field. But that's the aspiration and that's the level of competitiveness that RBC right now is at. Another non-conference matchup featuring a team that will be in the top five of the uh 
preseason rankings for us is Donovan Catholic. And they take on a challenging opponent as well. South Jersey Powers, St. Augustine uh, will visit. And the Griffins, again, a lot of talent, uh, a good amount of returners from a team that has been in the mix, uh, challenging for division titles, has made some noise in the state playoffs. And again, like RBC, like Tom's Earth, another team uh, in the upper echelon of the shore who's challenging themselves right out of the gates in week zero. Yeah, so with uh, with Donovan Catholic, it's kind of exciting to watch. They got a name coming back in, in Michael Thomas at receiver. Didn't have the greatest numbers, but he definitely has the the tools. He's only going to be a junior this year, and I think really watch for that breakout that breakout season. I think he's really one of the few thousand yard receiver potentials for this season out of really anybody. I think uh, he's got that speed and he can really dominate with his vertical. I also really like from Donovan Catholic. He's going to be sophomore this year. Um, Najee Calhoun, their starting running back, um, you know, carried the ball 80 plus times last year, was one of their star running backs, had over 500 yards. He scored eight times on the ground. So, I mean, as a freshman, I mean, those are the type of numbers that are going to turn you into a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, you know, short conference. And he showed, he showed all those attributes last year. Um, and, you know, the sky's only the limit for, for Najee right now. And he's going to be a big, big asset on whether or not Donovan Catholic soars all the way to the top or, you know, has that six and four, seven and three season that they did last year. I think the crucial thing for them is their quarterback play. You know, I mean, they last year, like they were a little too unbalanced against good teams. Like it's really hard to just line up and run the ball down the throat of an RBC or a St. Augustine or a lot of these other teams on their schedule at Tom's River North. Todd Lamerson. And the sophomore, Zach LaBarco, is also push, pushing for time at quarterback. Those guys are going to have to give them more balance. Obviously, they have Michael Thomas, so they have a major weapon in the uh, pass game. And Emmanuel Jarena, another a sophomore uh, playmaker. So they have the ingredients there. But I think they're going to need a little bit more out of the pass game now that Lamberson has a year of experience. If they're going to get over the hump against these really good teams, I think they're going to have to hurt them downfield with Thomas and the others just to back them off the line on a scrimmage they certainly have the potential to do it it's always interesting from a short conference perspective you know we all right now we only have three non-public teams you know we had four uh when modern day was a school and they you see the competition that they're facing if you're trying to win a state title so if you're i'll say if you're fortunate enough to be a non-public b you know you're talking about you know it's rbc it's the paul it's donovan um and you know you throw a holy spirit in there St. Joe's Hamilton certainly has had, you know, an, an amazing run and, and they've been a factor. Uh, and then a non-public A with, with that juggernaut, you know, with those teams in there, you see that you, if you don't have certain qualities, like you just don't have a chance, like you mentioned, if you don't, if you're not balanced and it works the other way, you could have a 5,000 yard passer. If you can't run the ball, those teams are going to eat you up. You need balance. You need good special teams. You need everything. And I think our teams have seen that over the years where like within the short conference, they've been dominant. Uh, and they get to that level, and it's like, whoa, okay, we need to really work on this, or we need these types of players. Really, at first and foremost, with RBC, you know, the Quentin Nelson years where they're ragged on the teams in the shore, and they play St. Joe's Montvale, and it's a different story. So, uh, and I think our our teams have we're closing the gap a little bit, but like you said, there there can't be an area of weakness uh, if you're going to compete at the state level with those teams. Back to the shore conference. We have the uh, the Guerrero Bowl, a non-divisional game, Wall and Manalpin. 
Ed Guerrero, the former head coach at Manalpin, led them to you know incredible heights, great success during his 13-year tenure there. He will be beginning his second year at Wall, took over as the head coach last season. His good friend Dom Lepore is the head coach at Manalpin, so there's a lot going on there. It'll also be uh, the night where Manalpin will do this every year. That This is going to be the game where they honor Kyle Mullen, their former star uh, who was killed tragically in the Navy SEAL uh, training um, you know, a couple of years ago. So they'll honor him there, have some festivities, which is always great what Manalpin does, uh, not only for all their alumni, but specifically uh, for the Mullen family. Uh, and that's a really – that's a big game for both teams because while in that American division, you'd love to start 1-0 before you get knee-deep into that schedule. And Manalpin, you know, 3-7 and seven last year, really played tough in a lot of games, had, had an awesome defense, but just couldn't score consistently, couldn't close out games. Now they're down in the Colonial division – you can get a win here. Things can really start snowballing. I think that, you know, is the case for both teams. Yeah, I think between these two teams, you know, early and often, this is kind of one of those tester games for each team. You know, both programs, you know, Wall last year was they were four and seven and Manalpin last year, they were three and seven. So both teams are both trying. They're both trying to get on the right footing and, you know, get started off. I think there's going to be a little bit of swagger and a little bit of passion from Manalpin, the Braves, you know, just from everything going on prior to the game and, you know, throughout. I, But like I said, I think it's going to be one of those testers throughout. Um, You know, there's talent on both ends. There's young there's young talent in the receiving core for Wall. Um, their defense as well is pretty stout at times. And then you have Manalpin. And I think to start off the season, the edge goes to Manalpin just because they're at home. But I think both teams are very capable of taking each other down when it comes to, you know, when it's all said and done. Yeah, it was just real quick. It was a they played last season it was a 14-7 uh, win for Wall. So it's like you said, it's the two teams are kind of mirror images of each other. And you would expect that having it's the same systems that Guerrero ran when he was there when Dom Lepore was his defensive coordinator. So it's like looking in the mirror for those schools. And I think this will show you the fine line of the American division, right? Manalpin was driving down to potentially beat Wall in that game last year. And Mason Adam, who's an up-and-coming star for Wall, he played in the secondary last year. He's also a really good running back. He intercepted a pass in the end zone inside the final minutes. That was the difference between Wall staying in the American division and Manalpin going down into it the was. Colonial that's division. True. Like, that's how – close the margin is um and you know that's it's not easy to make headway if you're wall when you have the schedule you like you have so that's why i think you're right bob this game to me i think is huge for wall like they have to have this game coming out of the gate to get some confidence and you know get some momentum going into that american because i mean let's be honest everyone is going to have them predicted to be last in the american division because every other one of those teams is going to be ranked in the top 10 to start the year so I think for Wall, this is their chance to show, like, don't forget about us. You know, we can compete in this division. Um, and, yeah, like you said, I think the challenge for both of them, both of their offenses need to be better than they were last year for them to take a step forward. Yes. And and you look on Manalapin, the reason for optimism coming off a three-win season is they still made the playoffs because their schedule is so good. They lost 10-7 to Jackson in the first round of the playoffs. So they're right there with the top 10 team. The losses to the American division teams, they lost 23-0 to RBC, 35-6 to Donovan, which was the only blot. They lost 17-14 to Middletown South, 14-10 to Rumson, and then the 14-7 to Wall. So they're right there in a lot of these games. Like they, they were a, you know, a score away from potentially beating two ranked teams. 
And then we're having a completely different conversation. So I think Ben Alpin is excited for that. And certainly, you know, you're in the colonial division, which should be very competitive as some very good teams, but it's not the American division. And we'll see if Manalpin can benefit just from not having to run that, that gauntlet week in week out. I, I think a key with this game too, is uh, I, I really do like uh, what Don Lepore is doing over at Manalpin. I think that uh, I think his system, a lot, of, a lot of the kids feed into and with it being such a balanced matchup, it's going to take really who comes out fast, who comes out aggressive. And but it's really going to be over over the length of the game is that field position battle, that that back and forth, get, getting the good field position, you know, driving up, punting it, getting almost like working, working it through your defense. And so it's going to take like those the right coaching moments of, all right, this is the time that we need to try something a little bit different, maybe going for it on a fourth and two, a fourth and three. And that might be the the deciding factor in the game is is picking the right moment to do it. Don't be over aggressive, but just finding that time. We we've the teams we've mentioned so far all we've mentioned elite linemen for all of them. To these two teams, Walm and Alpin, have some they're under the radar linemen in terms of when you're talking about the the high high FBS recruits. But Evan Radosevich. Uh, is a three-year starter. He's committed to the admissions process at Princeton from an Alpin, continuing their tradition of Ivy League linemen. And, and Wall has a pair, big six-foot-five, over 300-pound senior Chris Rogers, and then senior Benny Sasso, who has an offer from Wagner and some more FCS interest, the younger brother of our former uh, you know, defensive player of the year, Charlie Sasso. So some heft up front for both of those teams. Uh, and that could lead to another one of those low-scoring games like we talked about with Middletown South and Rumson. If this is 14-7, just like it was last season, uh, you know, I don't think anyone would be surprised. And don't forget, don't forget the Manalpin special teams. Every yes. year, right out of the gate, they have a couple guys taking kicks and punts to the house. And, you know, yes. and they always have a pretty good kicker. So, like Scott said, you know, if this game comes down to a really tight thing, a kick return, a, a punt, pinning somebody could be the difference. Absolutely. Two teams in that in past years have developed, I wouldn't say have developed a rivalry, but have played each other uh, during the COVID year. They ended up meeting on Thanksgiving or excuse me, during 2021 season, they ended up meeting on Thanksgiving last year. They played uh, a consolation game against each other. Now they're division opponents uh, and they're two of the you know story programs in the conference. And that's Manasquan and shore regional now in the, the constitution division. And those two teams will meet, uh, opening weekend. Manasquan, they lost their two really offensive leaders in quarterback Brett Patton and Jameer Howard to graduation. Um, sure, you know, lost their leading rusher, Liam Rosa, but brings back a lot. This is a really interesting game because I think there's certainly proud tradition with both Manasquan having the most sectional titles in short conference history with 11. Shore Regional tied for third, which a bunch with a bunch of schools at seven. Um, What's going to happen here? Is Shore going to show, hey, we can compete um, in this division with some bigger schools? Is Manasquan going to show you that, hey, we, we have the goods to kind of bounce back and have that kind of season? I think it's a very intriguing matchup to start the year. Yeah, and I think it's between two teams that have a lot of question marks just because of new guys offensively. Like you mentioned, this is going to be a Manasquan offense that has to replace almost all of its major production from the last couple of years. Um, Shore Regional's also dealt with some injuries to some key guys uh, in the preseason. Um, I, I think a big thing is for sure, like you said, it's funny. You talk to the players and they're like, bring it on. We want the challenge of playing these bigger schools. 
you talk to coach Mark Costantino and he's like not happy about it at all to some oh. degree of like these schedule makers didn't do us any favors. You know, we're a group one team playing all these other than Asbury, every other team in the division is bigger than them. Um, but I, I mean, sure is always physical up front. You know, they run the wing tee, which is not an easy uh, offense to defend, especially when you're a team that doesn't see it a whole lot. Most of these other schools don't see it, other teams running the wing tee. Um, but you're right. I think this is uh this is really just a question right out of the gate. Will Shore Regional be right there in this new divisional alignment to make a run at this division title? Or will Masquan kind of assert that they're still a little bit of a cut above them? You know, what I'm really curious to see with Shore against Manasquan is how Shore's running game plays against Manasquan's defense. I mean, Alex George coming back with Lucas White, both can break out in very special ways uh, for sure. And, you know, just seeing how Manasquan's defense is going to line up against them, it's, it's really going to be a telltale sign of how the season, you know, kind of plays out for both teams, in my opinion. You know, like you said, Shore going up against teams that aren't in group one off the rip. And then you have a program, Manasquan, that's had quite the success over the course of 20, 30 years. So it's going to be, you know, a prove-it situation for Man- for Manasquan, you know, saying that they're, you know, they're still right here in the program. But it's also going to be a prove-it situation for sure going up against someone that they're not too familiar with right out of the gate. I, This is division, not to get too deep into division discussion, because we're going to do that on our first uh, varsity and coaches corner coming up next week. But this is an interesting division because you have Shore and Asbury as group one schools. You have some bigger schools, but you have an ocean team who has a lot of question marks graduated, you know, an FBS quarterback. You have an extremely young St. John Vianney team. You have a Homedale team coming off a one win season that aims to bounce back, but still has to do it on the field. So like we might look back at the end of the season and go, wow, that week zero game was for the division title. It, I imagine it's hard to go in as a team, like thinking that, but, it, that could end up being the case elsewhere. Uh, and we're going to go to the colonial division now, similar to the shore Maniscal matchup, Colts neck point burrow. This is a good one. I mean, point burrow really makes the leap up, you know, multiple divisions uh, with the success they've had, you know, win, winning the sectional title two years ago, going nine and one last season. And now they're up in a division with a whole bunch of group four schools, them Rowden and four group four schools. Uh, Point Burrow, you know, loaded with what they bring back offensively, notably their quarterback, Matt Oliphant, and their their A-back, Jay Croce. And Colts Neck brings back one of the best running backs in shore, and Chris Scully. They're big up front. They play physical defense. That's a real interesting matchup for Colts Neck. How do they fare against this triple option that was second only to Tom's over North's nuclear offense in terms of points per game last season? And then for Point Burrow, hey, you're facing a bigger school. How does this all translate, uh, you know, to that and kind of a preview of of what those two teams seasons can look like. And that will, thankfully I'll be at that game because that'll be on Saturday night over at Al Senior Field. And, you know, that's going to be a raucous environment. I'm sure the bonfire will be going and there'll be 8 million kids in the, in the crowd. I think, uh, I think that's going to be a fun game. I, and when it really comes down to it, I think there is an X factor in that game. And you already said his name, Jake Croce. He's been nothing but consistent over the last two years, things that end up happening in, you know, in some of these games are these kids get padded stats when they play lesser teams and that makes their end of season stats look really good. If you go week by week with Jake Croce, it's just nothing but consistent. The, the kid has speed, power. 
He's got everything. And now coming into his senior year, getting a little bit bigger again and a little bit faster again, they, I think he he kind of really breaks out as potentially the top running back in in the entire shore, in my opinion. And I don't think that they're going to I don't think they're going to be able to stop him. I mean, I love this game. This is like the stealth, one of the best games of the weekend, because don't forget, this is two division champs from last year going against each other now that because of the realignment. Um, and like Scott mentioned, you know, Point Borough has some firepower offensively with Croce and Oliphant. And I guess the question is, who will be that other slot back, you know, to replace some production in the triple option? But when you have two guys that are that talented, you can't key on one of them specifically. And I think the other big thing is Colts Neck, again, as a bigger school, you don't see the triple option that much. It's more run at the small school level. So that's not easy to prepare for. Although, again, it's since it's your first game, you've had the whole offseason to prepare rather than one week or something like that. Um, but I think it's the real question of can the can the power up front of a group two team stand up to the the power of a much bigger school, bigger line across, and a team that I mean, under Coach Matt Ahern, they are all about being physical. They are not subtle about what they do. They line up and Scully comes downhill at you like 25 times a game. So, you know, is Colts not going to be able to lean on them? I mean, this is just such an interesting game because it's two really strong running attacks, different types, whose will will get, you know, imposed, who will be able to drain the clock and sit on the ball longer. Because don't forget, neither of these teams are that great playing from behind either. So I think, you know, the team that gets out to the early lead or can get to a two touchdown lead, that could swing the whole game too. I agree. And, with point for a couple of things with point borough first of all in the matchup just of size up front i think what helps them is their offense being that it's a flex bone you got to block the guy in front of you certainly but it's more about misdirection and it's a zone blocking scheme and it's not about i'm just bigger and stronger than you so i think that helps them there they also have in my opinion one of the more underrated players in the shore and charles boom davison i mean come on with a nickname like that you gotta love him. he's a three-year star on both sides of the ball he'll be the leader of that line and one thing head coach Brian Staub was really excited about is, you know, this is the first time they had both their quarterback and running back both returning the same season since 2017 when they were in a sectional final. Uh, and usually their quarterback in the second season takes like a major leap. And that the, the proof is there with the teams that, you know, he's a, that he's been a part of either as an offensive coordinator or as the head coach at Point Borough. So if that's the case, Oliphant, who has tremendous like game-breaking ability, like he's not a an option quarterback that you're just going to take the five, six yards as like kind of the decor, the third option. Like he, if he gets a lane, like he's gone. His ideal day is like 10 carries, 140 yards and like two TDs. So Colts not going to have to worry about that big play. You know, they want to drain the clock point, Burrow, and they'll gladly take those 19 play drives, but they can also hit home runs there. Moving down the line, um, is we'll go to a couple more non-conference games now that stood out, and then we'll run down the rest of the schedule. Long Branch, Piscataway. Piscataway, traditional power um, under their head coach, Dan Higgins, for the long, longest of times. You know, always in the mix, always expecting them to see them at Rutgers or wherever the championship games were being played. And Long Branch, again, quietly last season, you know, had a really, really good year, was in the mix, in the playoffs. They returned one of the better quarterbacks in the shore in Ernest Reeve. They always have talent up and down the lineup. I think that's a big game for Long Branch, again, to just kind of see where they are against a traditional power in New Jersey. 
And I feel like they come into this season with some momentum too, right? They shocked, what was it, Penn Salkin in the playoffs last year. Their defense shut down like a really prolific offensive team. Um, and then they 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 beat Red Bank Regional, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, on Thanksgiving, which was another nice win for them. Um, so I, I think the question with, with Long Branch is always, you know, they're good when they're good up front. When their linemen are experienced veterans, they usually rush for 2,000 yards plus as a team. So I know they did lose some there in that area in graduation. So, you know, how will the new guys fare there? They usually also have one of the better tailbacks in the area. You know, who's going to pick up some of that production this year? Their defense last year was tremendous. So I think if they can get more offensive consistency uh, against quality opponents, they're a team that could really put a scare into some big teams because they got a really hard schedule themselves this year, Long Branch, especially outside their division. And you mentioned the momentum real quick before I let you guys uh, jump in, John and Scott. You know, they started, they lost to Middletown South to open the season. They, they won, they beat Lacey. They were shocked by Southern where they were shut out. And then they had Toms over North the next week. And all of a sudden you're one and three, but then they won four straight games. They, they won six of their last seven games. The only loss in there was to Mainland, who was the sectional champ, beat Middletown South, you know, in the championship game. So you're right. It's it's a new season, but if they can take any of that momentum into this year, which is the goal for every team, uh, you know, they're going to be in good shape. And another thing that I'm, you know, I'm curious to see how it plays out is how Reeve, you know, deals with the pressure of having to figure out new new players in his senior season, but also graduating, you know, four receivers and two of his top tailbacks as well. So there's going to be a lot of plug and play going on early and seeing what options are going to be best and what options are going to be viable for Revi and for the entire offense. But another name that I really do look out for, you know, from the wideouts is Sahim Brown, their senior wideout, um, you know, got some playing time last year, scored throughout. So he can be Revi's real target throughout the year to shine and, you know, produce all throughout for the green wave. And like I just said, you know, I think, him really finding his groove with his entire team and a lot of them being new starters, I think it's going to be a real determination on how the season plays out for Long Branch. Yeah, and with Long Branch, you mentioned some of the players they lost to graduation. Shamar Williams, two-time first-team all-source, excuse me, all-shore selection. <clears throat> Mike Hall, Sekou Kamau. I mean, those are some big-time players uh, that were all-shore level, either all-shore or all-shore caliber type of players. So it's the same for every team. You, you got to replace some key guys every year. Uh, we'll see how Long Branch does that. Usually not hurting for skill players. Not that they can just plug and play, but, you know, that will be interesting to see which guys step up around Revy to give them the kind of offense that they expect they can have. Uh, the last specific non-conference game I want to talk about be on Sunday, last game of week zero for the shore teams, at least, will be Matawan down in Ocean State, the Battle of the Beach, taking on Cedar Creek. Uh, Cedar Creek, two years removed from a 13-0 and season. Uh, and then last year dipped down a little bit to four and seven, but it's a talented program. Um, they're probably going to be pretty good, I would imagine, not knowing a ton about them. And then with Matawan, you saw them start to claw back last season to kind of be the program that they were, where stuff, as you wrote in, in your season primer, you just pencil them in in the top 10 every year. That wasn't the case for a little bit, but they came back in a big way last year with some you know big-time players. Um, you know, Wellman Crooms, their outstanding wide receiver, Amir Martinez, that quarterback, Colin Palumbo in the backfield, a huge, you know, and heavily recruited lineman with Jaden Elijah. So they have the pieces in place. They have a coach in Jay Graber who won a championship when he was at Allentown. So the pieces are there. 
this is one of those games where, okay, Matt, I want to like, let's see what you have now um, in, in this year following your division championship. Yeah, I thought they, um, you know, last year they were kind of, they were a young up and coming team and they were kind of the team that beat the teams they were supposed to beat and came up short against the real quality teams on their schedule. They did have a nice playoff game where they tested Hopewell pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the Matawan of old in the sense of just talent at all the skill positions, big linemen. I, obviously, their struggle for years was their players were getting cherry picked by all the non-public schools and other schools. Like, Madelon was still producing talent. They just weren't actually playing for Madelon. Um, so now that they've been able to keep a lot of those guys home, I mean, their offense is experienced in quarterback Martinez is back. Palumbo is a thousand yard rusher who's back. Um, and so they got, and they have weapons in the passing game. Elijah is a huge lineman who's very agile. I saw him in the basketball court this year. He moves really well for his size, you know, very athletic. Um, so patience, you know, they didn't really have them last year. They were the, the young team coming on, coming on. How are they going to deal with it now if they are a preseason top ten, and then teams are coming after them? Yeah, and I mean they have, like you were just saying, they have so much talent that's young as well, and they were able to mesh whether they were freshmen or sophomores or juniors last year. I mean, Wellman Cruz, one of the most talented receivers in the short conference, was a freshman last year. Colin Palumbo rushed for almost eleven hundred yards, and he's going to be a junior this year. And also Amir Martinez is going to be a junior. So, and that's this is a team that, like you said, they gave Hopewell Valley a pretty good test in the state playoffs, and they bumped up a bra- they bumped up in the visions. And you know, Madawan for about eight nine years now has had a really really dull period of time where they haven't been able to find their groove. I mean, back to the LC Pearson days was the last time that they really were you know good within the short conference. So, I mean, with the team that they have set up this year, I think there's a lot of expectations for Madawan all throughout you know the town. But I mean, like you just said, Cedar Creek's coming off a 13-0 season two years ago. So it's going to be a really big test for a week zero matchup for Matawan. Matawan is they don't start their division schedule till their third game. So that I where you know you want to win your division title. And I think you could probably peg them as the favorite in that division just because of what they did last year and what they bring back. But you start off with Cedar Creek and then you have a non-divisional game against Rumson right after that. So Regardless of what your record is, you're going to have a pretty good idea of where you stand, what you need to work on, and your division slate is still clean. So I think in terms of competing for another division championship, that helps. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. Madam, you know, one and one, oh and two, even whatever their record is. After two games, all of a sudden you look up and they've rattled off five, six straight wins, and they're either in the top 10 or knocking on the door. So that, that's one of those teams, big potential this season. Let's see what they can do and if they can fulfill that and, and get back to, uh, you know, where we're used to seeing them, you know, from at least from from Stumpy and I's days. I'm just happy that the rivalry with Rumson is renewed. I mean, you know, 2010, 2011, I mean, yep. those were some epic games between Rumson and Madawan in the state finals. Rumson shocked them when Madawan was undefeated, competing for number one on the shore. The next year, Rumson was the heavy favorite. Madawan came back and shut them out in a three, nothing game in the state finals. Like I think that's one of the more underrated rivalries out there. I, I, I'm so happy that Madawan versus Rumson is back on the schedule. And, and John, you know, this as an alum, like I want, you got to be able to go back there. The flame grilled burgers, man. You can't beat them on yep. a Friday, Saturday night in Madawan. Best girl, best girl from and, Friday night lights. 
It is. Hey, listen, that's a different podcast for another time where we, we <laughs> run down all the top foods. I'm not even kidding. That will be a podcast where we reminisce on our old, old snack bar. <laughs> so running down the rest of the schedule. Uh, and like I said, it's a robust one, 17 teams or 17 games, excuse me, on Friday night, a total of 20 for the weekend. Uh, non-divisional games, you have Middletown North visiting Freehold Township, Tom's River East at Brick, Monmouth Regional at Barnegat. Um, and then we'll go to some more non-conference games, Absagami at Lacey, uh, West Windsor, Plainsboro United, which is the South and North High Schools combined into one football team there at Southern. Allentown at Brick Morrow, that's probably a game we should expand on. Uh, North Plainfield at Manchester, Hamilton West at Central, New Egypt at Point Beach. Uh, St. John Vianney will play Hamilton, also down at the Battle of the Beach Showcase, and then Manville at Keyport on Saturday on Jackson street. So that, that brick moral game does stand out a little bit. Allentown uh, hasn't been at the level they were at since Graber left, but has still been a quality team and brick Memorial. It's the senior year of their quarterback, Connor Dietz, who has rewritten that record book. They have a bunch of other standout uh, standouts returning. Kevin Andrews, uh, Trey Talmadge, Nico Marabou. Can they break through uh, and make a run at a division title? Uh, and a playoff berth. This is a non-conference game, but it, this is still, I think, important for the Mustangs to start off 1-0. And it's important for their defense to just get some confidence right out of the gate. I mean, we know their games, you definitely didn't get cheated if you went to a Brick Memorial game last year. They needed extra bulbs for the uh, scoreboard. Every <laughs> game was like 45 to 40 or something. I mean, when you have deets, you can get in those crazy games. But I know they prefer to be much more balanced team this year after going 6-5. and five. Um, Talmadge, I think, is a guy you mentioned that played as a freshman last year, back as a sophomore. He could be a real playmaker on that side of the ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we know what Dietz is all about. We know they're going to score. So the real question you want to learn from that game is, you know, how much has the defense improved since last year? Yeah, because there were some games last year where he had incredible numbers uh, and Brickmore either still lost the game or had to pull it out at the end. So, again, like we talked about with a bunch of the previous teams, balance you have to have that balance to compete. You can have an incredible defense, uh, and if your offense can't score, you're not going to win a ton of games. And you can have an incredible offense, and the same thing. Deep can't can't stop anybody. You're, you're relying on winning shootouts every week. So interesting to see. You're right. What the Mustangs bring defensively, uh, right there in week zero. More, I'm excited. I am excited. I know you guys you guys mentioned Connor Dietz. I think. Uh, you know, obviously you're saying he's rewriting the record books there. He's probably one of the best talents coming out of the Brick Memorial football program in a long time. And coming now coming into his senior year, there's always that that difference when you've already been successful and now you have your senior year ahead of you knowing it's the end of your high school career, regardless of wherever you go. So he's going to want to come out of the gate and he's going to want to do a lot. So the question mark that I have on Connor is going to be, is he going to force situations because he wants to start out hot and, and keep everything going? Or is he going to settle in and be the leader that everybody knows he can be? So that's, that's definitely uh, something to, to look for in game one. The Middletown North Friel Township game too. It's, it's a non-divisional game, but that's a little bit intriguing. Middletown North does bring back their quarterback um, and one of their top receivers and Steve Bush, one of the best coaches in the shore. Um, if you talk to the, he's like a coach's coach. Like you talk to the other coaches and universally, they always have praise for Steve Bush. They're always in the mix. Um, and then Friel Township has unfortunately lost some really talented players to transfer. Uh, 
you know, Chase Enlow, uh, their running back, uh, Sean Corchado left. They've had it. So that's tough when you have the players in your program, all of a sudden they're not there the next year. You know, look, every player family is going to make their own decisions, but in terms of what Freehold Township has to deal with, we'll see what they have in the fold. Um, they're a pass heavy team. Usually, you know, they, they're going to try to be as balanced as they can, but you know, they run that air raid under Corey Davis. And they're going to throw it a lot. So, um, the team that comes out of there with a the victory, you know, I, I think will not open eyes, but you go, okay, let's see what you got. And that's two teams that love to throw the ball. I mean, if you like passing offense, that's definitely the game. You Four want to hour check game. Out. Yeah, I mean, you have Corey Davis. Well, especially like you said, Chase Enlow was the, you know, the real running threat. Obviously he was a receiving threat out of the backfield, but he could really hurt you running the ball and draws and everything else out of that offense. So to lose him is tough, but um, I mean, they, they return a decent amount of experience. I saw them last year against Jackson. Um, you know, they showed flashes. I think the big thing with Township is putting together four good quarters against good teams. Um, and especially defensively, you know, against Middletown. Middletown North only averaged 14 points a game last year. So that this is a game for them to come out and start to turn things around with guys who have another year under their belts. And we know the talent they lost up front defensively. I think they're going to need to score a little bit more this year just because it's not going to be easy replacing some of the all-shore stars that they graduated on defense. The excitement is in the air, certainly. Uh, and But at the same time, it's so early. I feel like last season we looked back in October and we're like, week zero felt like it was last year. And even for a lot of the teams, like there's some huge matchups but how many will be extremely consequential? There might be a couple that you look back and say, hey, those decided those division titles or, or kind of sent the team on their way. But at the same time, like it's still so early. So I, whether you win or lose, I think a lot of these teams are going to be like, this is great or hey, whatever, shake it off and let's get back to work. But in any event, it's the biggest week zero we've ever had with this many 27 teams playing in 20 games. So Let's start that petition to the NJSIA to just rename it week one next year. I think we should. Yeah, I, I think the other thing, though, is, you know, I just wonder how many teams are going to be way better in three or four weeks that took a loss this week. Mm -hmm. And in the top 10, they're going to say, oh, we're better than that team. We're better than, oh, that week zero loss. That was a fluke. I mean, that was practically a scrimmage. But you're like, no, it counts. It's yeah. going to be part of the results. So, you know, it's like you can't really come out slow out of the gate because you're right. I mean, these are certain games you may look back and be like, that was a crucial game where like, you know what? You could never make it above this ranking because you lost that game that first week. So we'll see how it all turns out. You almost wonder if teams will maybe start pining for like, sure, we'll play zero week zero, but like, let it be a non-divisional game or a non-conference game, or at least we're not jumping into one of these, you know, crucial division games right off the bat. You know, Middletown South Rumson, you know, sticks out in mind with that, but same, the, the Colts neck point borough game and Manusquan shore could certainly fall into that category. Well, that's it for the slate of week zero games. I shouldn't say that's it. I mean, we've been talking about these for a while, but uh, an exciting slate of matchups. I will be at the, uh, the Rumson Middletown South game Friday night, and I'll be at Colts neck point borough on Saturday night. So look for updates from there, game stories, photos, video highlights, the whole nine yards. And, you know, we'll be flying around, you know, to multiple schools throughout the week. Um, so be sure to head to shoresportsnetwork.com. Um, you know, we'll have our picks of the week coming up so you can all make fun of us and use us as uh bulletin board material for picking against your teams. I do try to make sure we don't ever have the clean sweep. We don't get memed, but Hey, look, sometimes it happens, man. If it could happen on game college game day, 
it can happen to us too. So we'll have that. Our, our football scoreboard will be up all weekend. So you can make sure to check back there often uh, as we have the scores and the recaps from all the games. Uh, and then, you know, starting the following week, you know, it's, we're hitting the ground running with all our usually fo- all our usual football features, excuse me, um, back with the podcast each and every week and plenty more. So be sure to head to shoresportsnetwork.com to check out all that. Uh, thank you again to our sponsors, Varsity Link, Jersey Mike's, Thrive, um, and uh, and Iron House Performance. Uh, we do have some additional Instagram accounts that we've kind of spread out. You know, Scott, you can kind of tell us more about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we really kind of dove in with doing some more on the social media aspect, and Instagram is really uh, starting to take off. So uh, because we're covering more sports, uh, including girls sports, you know, we, we've got girls volleyball really heating up. We decided, and that's actually... It is live on there now, but this is the first time it's being announced. There's only a couple followers, but we have a, a sure sports underscore football handle. So we have our main account, follow our main shore sports network account, but then we're going to have our shore, uh, shore sports football account that will be only for football. We'll still have football on the main one as well, but it's going to allow us to not drown out uh, some of the other sports that are, that are just as important uh, to get that coverage out there. So uh, just keep an eye out for that on Instagram and, uh, Follow us on on all the different uh, all the different networks. With this podcast being on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all any podcast player that you can think of, it'll be on there. And then uh, and and just follow along. Uh, generally speaking, you know, we, I was talking with uh, Bob yesterday, uh, as he said, he does some of the live coverage at games. So that's going to be more of your Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And then Instagram is going to be some more of the. Um, the curated after the fact videos. So more of the, the highlight aspect. So make sure to there's different platforms for different things. And then overall, just know you can go to shoresportsnetwork.com. We've got the live Twitter feed embedded directly into the scoreboard, which is going to be uh, great on a Friday night when you want to see what's going on around the shore. Certainly. And uh, it's an exciting time of year. You know, this will be, I'm coming up on 20 years covering shore conference football, which is insane. Sad. Stump, you got me beat by a few there, even though you had a little bit of a hiatus mixed in there. So it's an exciting time of year. You know, you look, there's not much. Uh, it's a pretty good job getting out on a Friday and Saturday night, watching some high school football. And in our area, watching some of the best teams in the state and some of the you know highly recruited players in the country. It's going to be fun. Uh, and we're excited for everyone joining us for the ride. As Scott said, Shore Sports Network podcast, like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Stitcher. Uh, and on down the line, we'll be back each and every week. Also, don't Real forget quick, uh, we got a special guest. We got a special yes. guest. Look at that. Who we could got, uh, we, we've got uh, Rob Davis on the line. Look at we're, that. We're, he called before, and I was like, all right, I'm calling him back. Uh, Rob, you're on the podcast right now. I've got Scott Stump here, Bob Batters here, John Corelli. Uh, let's chop it up for a sec. Guys, Coach. Coach up, Davis, Rob? former Barnegat head coach, now first-year head coach at Egg Harbor Township, started the Shore Football Report during his brief uh, coaching interlude. Rob, good to talk to you. I miss you guys. <laughs> we miss you too, man. How's everything going down in Atlanta County? I really miss you guys. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. How many How many transfers have you tried to get into Egg Harbor Township in the last three weeks? Nobody wants to play for me. Nobody wants to play for me. 
<laughs> it's and probably said, the Hawaiian shirts. Please tell me you didn't wear the Hawaiian shirts to practice or anything. You've been wearing EHT gear. Actually, to be honest with you, I've been wearing a short football shirt. I haven't worn the Hawaiian shirt once. You need the Hawaiian shirts. That's your look. You don't like the Bill Belichick look one. <laughs> yeah, the one I was showing off the guns with that one. Yeah, I didn't really have the courage to wear that one last year. The sweatshirt with the cutoff sleeves? Yes. The bold yes. move. Yes, yes, the one with the cutoff sleeves. I've been wearing it every day to practice. I said, that's consistency. They go, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, uh, I'm looking forward to you guys covering the uh, Shore football um, this year, man. It's going to be an exciting time with you guys. As are we, and we're excited to partner with the Shore Football Port with with Stump over here helping us out, talking football every week, and uh, just expanding our coverage. You know, it's I think we all have that in common where we love Shore Conference sports, and in this specific instance, Shore Conference football is uh, always great to come together with like-minded individuals and uh, you know promote this sport in the Shore. Uh, you you guys covered me when I was at Barnett in our first year, man, and and <laughs> what a buzz you guys created in the Shore Conference and. It's exciting when you guys are together doing it. I mean, that, that's potent. Um, so everybody's excited about you guys covering the, the football season. Everybody's excited about their season. Plus, you guys joining forces uh, is, is a good thing for short conference football. Thank you, Rob. I you guys create great memories for, the, for those players and, and, and the families and the programs. And, and, and that's what it's all about. It really is, though. But, yeah, my dad has the clippings of all you guys. And, and I'm watching you guys grow into where you are right now, man. It's awesome. It really is. So I'm excited about your podcast every week. Well, likewise, everybody. That's, that's uh, Coach Rob Davis. He's down at uh, Egg Harbor Township. Uh, Shore Football Report, like you said, we're, we're partnering with him and uh, Scott Stump. So there'll be a weekly segment and uh, just overall making sure to get as much coverage as possible. They might have to be like our adopted 43rd team, like every week. Like, here's the EHT report. I'll just check in on them real quick. Maybe rib rob yeah. a little bit. And get, get back to our short conference talk. We'll make sure we, we at least devote like seconds to what Egg Harbor did the week before. <laughs> so, it, on that note, like, subscribe, download the Shore Sports Network podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back uh, each and every week for the rest of the football season, talking football specific. And there'll be many more uh, episodes uh, covering various sports on the Shore Sports Network podcast. So for Scott Stump, Scott Martin, John Corelli, I'm Bob Batters. Thanks again for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time.